time with us, as we mentioned uh, before the break. Uh, the uh, DIY, you know, that do-it-yourself community, uh, very busy uh, decorating homes and uh, home makeovers, different home projects. But there's also a group uh, fighting to reverse aging. Uh, our guest tonight uh, is his full and only name is Reason. Uh, founder and writer of Fight Aging. He is also a co-founder and CEO of Repair Biotechnologies. Uh, do we have? Uh, Reason uh, joins us on the line, as mentioned, founder and writer of Fighting Aging, also co-founder and CEO of Repair Biotechnologies. Uh, Reason, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, thank you. Thank uh, you. Is aging just not uh, part of life? Should we be working hard to reverse aging? Well, I think it's less less looking at aging and more looking at horrible, terrible suffering that happens to everyone you know. And if everyone you know is going to be subject to horrible, terrible suffering at some point in time, up to and including death, perhaps we should do something about that. And it just turns out that the best way to do things about the biggest cause of horrible, terrible suffering is to tackle aging. It's not about tackling aging. It's about stopping Alzheimer's disease. It's about stopping people having heart attacks. It's about preventing people losing their minds and their bodies and declining into a terrible end. That's really the deal. It just happens that aging is the story. So, as look, I, I'm dealing with a, a parent right now that I've just moved into long-term care, and I can't tell you how many times uh, she has said to me over the last three or four months, uh, don't get old, uh, constantly saying to me, don't get old, because everything just starts to, uh, as we all know, as you say, we all know somebody, we've all dealt with it in different ways. So, uh, that's the mission. Uh, how do you go about it? How do you go about it? Well, there, if you ask any single person in the uh, biogerontology community and the associated advocates who believe that we should be doing more about aging, you will get an entirely different answer. It's a fascinating uh, field in that we know so much about aging. On the one hand, you can measure any number of things about what happens in the body as you get older. And on the other hand, our bodies are so very, very complicated that it's hard to say what causes what in certainty. The only way to find out is to go, go in there and fix things one by one and see what happens. And you start in mice, of course, and then you work up to humans. And at this point in time, there's a number of very, very promising um, outlets and, and avenues. For example, we accumulate these bad cells as we grow older called senescent cells. There are never very many of them, and maybe 1%, 2% of all your cells are senescent if you're a very old person. But they sit there and they do terrible things. They secrete pro-inflammatory markers and they mess up the tissue. And uh, if you get rid of them, profound rejuvenation happens in mice. Very rapid reversal of nearly all of the common age-related diseases. And they're just getting to the point of, of trying to test these out in human clinical trials. But the drugs that remove senescent cells, the first drugs that were tested in mice, already exist. Anyone can go out there and use them and self-experimenters do. So that's, that's something that's about to become a very big deal. Maybe half the people in the United States and Canada who have, uh, who have arthritis right now don't actually have to have it. That would be a very big deal. So as you said, so we're just talking, is it a combination of over-the-counter things that are already available or prescription? Like, what do you mean when you say they're, they're already available? 
So there are there is a chemotherapeutic drug called Dasatinib, and when you combine that with a supplement called Quercetin, which is just a plant extract, um, this was the first combination that people used in animals to try to see what happens if you remove senescent cells. And this combination is fairly obnoxious to senescent cells and kills a bunch of them without causing too much harm to the rest of your body. And they've trialed this in humans a couple of times and results have been sort of published and uh, ongoing. And it looks pretty good. In mice, it's really profoundly very, very good. Um, this one might turn out to be the best Alzheimer's drug of the next 20 years, for example, but we won't know that until the human trials are finished. But in mice, it looks really, really good. Um, it's night and day about the best thing that anybody has ever done with aged mice is remove senescent cells through this and a few other methods. So anyone could go out there and do it if they want to. So, of course, you know, you have to take responsibility if you choose to go self-experiment. There uh, are other avenues as well, of course. Let, oh, well, well, go ahead. I'm just curious. What would be the, and again, every, every, every drug, every treatment you try, everything's different and it kind of affects people a little differently too. But I would think that, you know, if you're going to self-experiment, you really got to do your homework before you decide, well, I'll just try this and see what happens. That is exactly the case. I mean, frankly, people don't take changing their diet seriously enough. Right, um, right. If you're an old person, everything is potentially dangerous, even changing your diet. Certainly something you should involve a physician in and do your homework. Meanwhile, the research community and the medical community who are effectively doing your homework for you um, are out there running these things through stringent trials to see what exactly the cost-benefit is. Um, and they are driven by the fact that in mice, this looks pretty amazing. Um, and that's just one of, one of many options. Your body decays for many different ways, uh, many different underlying reasons. It looks very, very complicated. The best way to think about aging, I think, if you think about a very complicated metal statue uh, or metal sculpture, like one of those German things those guys build where it's an incredibly complicated array of pipes and, and things fitting together, these things rust. Uh, but if it's a very complicated metal structure, how it fails over time is very hard to predict. Um, you can say rust is a very simple thing. It's very simple. But the failure of the sculpture is as complicated as the sculpture. Our bodies are complicated, and we have many different forms of what might be thought of as rust, little simple processes that occur naturally, and you accumulate damage. And slowly over time, things get weirder and weirder and more complicated and more disarrayed, and you get the vast array of age-related diseases, and eventually you die. But it's not for complicated reasons. It's for simple reasons that only produce complicated results because you are a complicated thing. So senescent cells, for example, it's very easy to talk about them and talk about what they do and talk about the fact that you get more of them and less of them would be better. But then the consequences of these things, the research community will spend decades from this time forward figuring out exactly how senescent cells go on to cause ruin and death and horrible pain and suffering. But at the end of the day, if you can get rid of them, why do all that work? It would be like going back to, going back to smallpox and figuring out you know, why exactly does smallpox do all the stuff it does. Nobody needs to know anymore. We got rid of it. <laughs> at some point in time, aging will be like that. Oh, that's, inter that, that's interesting. Uh, uh, Reason uh, joining us uh, on the line uh, tonight as we talk about uh, uh, aging and, and the benefits of trying to reverse aging. Uh, the founder and writer of Fighting Aging is also a co-founder and CEO of Re Repair uh, Biotechnology. So I I'm getting the feeling that, as you would expect, uh, 
the bureaucracy of uh, science and health officials that when you say it will be decades before. Uh, so obviously, we're not doing enough. The, the powers that be and the resources we have, considering uh, if it was successful, how much we could save on the long haul when you think about how much money we spend in healthcare uh, as, as people get older. Oh, definitely. I mean, at this point, the the talking heads and the people in the know um, have accepted as a foregone conclusion that this is all something we need to do because the entitlements we have can't stand. Um, the population is aging. All governments will go bankrupt uh, unless something is done about aging or they stop doing what they're doing. The, the former of which is actually a more a more uh, reasonable prospect than, you know, changing the changing the path of the super tanker of entitlements right now. But, you know, it's, it's a given. It's going to happen. And it's really the last 10, 15 years have been a slow process of, of persuasion. You know, once you persuade 10% of the group of people you need to persuade, the rest of it is inevitable. It just takes time. So 20 years ago, um, give or take, we folk who were sort of helping out with the Methuselah Foundation, one of the early sort of um, nonprofits that was trying to tell people, hey, wait, we can actually do something about this thing called aging. We were all really excited when we got the first $50,000 donation. Um, move forward, you know, 10 years, and people are raising quite ridiculous amounts of money very easily. Um, Google jumped up and put $100 million into work that ultimately turned out to be not that useful, but they were doing it for aging. Fast forward to this year, and half, literally half of the investment in the entire biotech industry this year is going into a single type of approach to dealing with aging called um, partial reprogramming, which we can talk about. Uh, and heaven knows what things are going to look like another 10 years from now. If, if this is the sort of trajectory, 50,000 to 100 million to now it's sort of $4 billion going into just one approach to aging. And funnily, people still aren't talking about it, but $4 billion is starting to wake, wake people up. Take, people take notice of that. Uh, I, I, let me ask you then about that. What was it, partial programming? Partial reprogramming. Yeah. So, um, a little while ago, when I say 20 years ago again, it was discovered that you can take an ordinary adult cell and express some genes in it called the Yamanaka factors after the discoverer, and it turns it into a induced pluripotent stem cell, which is basically exactly the same thing as an embryonic stem cell. And this is what the body does um, when it's creating a new life. When you, when you, in the early embryo, there has to be a way to remove all of the marks of aging and put things back the way they were and, you know, get things, get things going at a reset of aging. Otherwise, how would kids be young, right? There's something in your body does this. So partial reprogramming is the attempt to do this in a living person, a living adult, a living mouse these days, um, without actually creating these induced pluripotent stem cells, because it would be a really, really bad idea to create a bunch of rampaging, multiplying stem cells <laughs> in your body. But if you just do the first part of the reprogramming, just give them the Yamanaka factors for a little bit of time, what happens is that the, the control of the cell, the epigenetic marks that control how the cell behaves, get reset to a more useful configuration, and the cell becomes more healthy, it acts more like it's in young tissue, even though it's in old tissue, and the result is, from the mouse studies that have been done to date, interesting enough to be pursued. Maybe this could be a very um, 
uh, like removal of senescent cells, maybe this could be a very profoundly beneficial therapy that could be given, you know, to everybody and make you younger, extend your life. It can't fix everything, but the suspicion is that it will fix quite a lot of stuff. It's, uh, it's a hack on us not knowing everything that needs to be done. Because if you can just hijack the body's process for making children be born young then uh, and apply it to adults, maybe you can fix an awful lot of the dysfunction that takes place in the, uh, in the aged body. We're probably $4 billion and 20 years away from somebody actually getting this in a clinical trial, but people are certainly um, in a meaningful way throughout the body. But people are certainly running on this now. There's uh, the Altos lab that has $3 billion as of this year, another four or five companies that have more than $100 million in funding. And some of them have been working on this for a couple of years now and are close to their first clinical trials where they will deploy these technologies in a very limited way in, let's say, the eyeball or the skin. Um, easy targets. Get it done. Get it done sort of simply out of the gate. And then over the decade after that, it will become ever more sophisticated. This is a very promising, very promising approach. And hopefully it goes somewhere. We continue our conversation uh, with Reason, founder and writer of Fighting Aging, also the co-founder and CEO of Repair Biotechnologies. Uh, Reason, thanks for uh, hanging on. Let, let me ask you this. We, we talked about earlier, you kind of touched on w w as far as arthritis goes. And, you know, you guys see a report out there, you see some la results and you go, okay, these are things people could try uh, right now. In the world we live in now, and we saw what happened during COVID when any sort of someone put out anything that they thought was like a, a cure or protection, you put it on social media and, you know, enough people will give it a try. Um, in this case, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, freedom, I feel, is always a good thing. And if you accept freedom, you kind of have to accept the freedom for people to make bad choices. But um, self-experimentation is a responsibility if you choose to do it. And that's it's a spectrum. If you choose to change your diet in the hopes of losing weight, you're actually self-experimenting. You're doing something with a metric where you're trying to measure a before and after, and hopefully you're doing it responsibly. And frankly, many people fail the doing it responsibly for that. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should just say, okay, nobody should ever self-experiment ever. Uh, hopefully there are people out there who would be a little more responsible and do their homework and say, well, maybe something could happen here if I went and talked to some physicians and I did my research. And out there right now, there are, if you have some cooperation from a physician, you could you can do things along the lines of, hey, let's order some exosomes derived from stem cells and get them injected in the hopes that uh, it's going to produce greater regeneration in my aged body. Now, whether this is a good idea or not, is an individual decision. Um, you have to go read the literature, uh, decide what the existing trials of these things have to say, um, talk to the manufacturers, and all these other fun things. And that's at the upper end of this, uh, at the very at the opposite end of the spectrum from, let's say, I want to lose a little weight, therefore I'm going to adjust my diet. But it's still essentially the same idea, and the same degree of responsibility applies. And uh, the older you get, the more benefits you're likely to get from things that might move the needle on aging, but equally, the more dangerous everything come, becomes, uh, up to and including changing your diet. So I would never say, hey, you saw something on the internet, go try it. Um, but if, the, if your response to saw something on the internet is go read the literature, do your research, talk to a physician, 
um, make a very earnest plan, consider the risks and benefits soberly, and then do your life accordingly, then, hey, welcome to being human. How We're just about out of time. Quickly, though, how... How popular, I don't want to say popular, how common is self-experimentation to, I'm not just talking about dieting, but at a higher level? Not at all. It's very uncommon. Um, Really, I don't think many people have progressed beyond um, delegating the entirety of their thinking about medicine to their physician. And that's a rational choice. I mean, I delegate all of the thinking about how my car works to the auto workers who I pay to deal with these things. Um, We only have so much time in our lives so we have to make decisions about how we spend it and what we learn. Self-experimentation is, is a hobby for people who tend to do it. It's a, um, it's, it's a fun way that, to spend time and it might have some benefits, uh, especially in this age when we're getting towards the fact that the first rejuvenation therapies worthy of that name maybe actually exist, given what we're seeing in mice. Uh, Reason, uh, thanks so much uh, for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. It has given us uh, uh, quite a little bit to uh, think about as well. Uh, Thanks again. You're welcome.